Luke chapter 11, I'm going to begin reading at verse 24. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Dear Lord and our God, our desires wage war within us, and we pray right now, Lord, that you, you would win out, that we would desire you more. You, Lord, are more precious than silver, more costly than gold, and more beautiful than diamonds. We love you, Lord. We ask that you indeed bless every syllable, every breath from our pastor, Lord. May the words of your heart and your truth penetrate us and do your holy work within us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you happy today? We've been talking about happiness, Jesus on happiness. Sometimes when we think of the word blessed, and I'll be talking about that again today a little bit, we think of something that is otherworldly, something removed from what we ordinarily think of happiness. And we should see that these two things really are synonymous, that God is calling us to be a happy people. And we're talking about how, how to be happy. Wouldn't it be something, wouldn't it be happy, for example, if instead of me, Jesus was up here teaching? Wouldn't that be wonderful? If you were listening to him explain deep spiritual truths, if you saw him doing miracles, you saw him putting in their place hypocrites who were criticizing him. That's what was happening to this woman who was watching and who's described in Luke's Gospel chapter 11 and Finally, she was just so happy that she couldn't hold it any longer. And she interrupted Jesus with an exclamation. And we say, good for her. You know, isn't that wonderful to be that happy? But Jesus told her, and he's telling us, that there is a happiness even greater than that. And I'd like to talk about that today. So I'm going to think about the happiness of the easy path, and then the happiness of the well-lit path, and then the happiness of walking on the right path. So let's start with that, the happiness of the easy path. That is, there's a happiness when things are working out, when circumstances are right, when you're in the right place and wonderful things are happening around you. You don't really need the light when you're walking on a smooth path, do you? There's no pebbles, there's no stones, there's no rocks. It's paved and clear, and you hardly even need to look down, and even if it's in the dark, you know you can walk on this path. It's an easy path. So let's talk about that path. Jesus was interacting with the crowd. You might say he was giving a sermon, and then this woman interrupted me. I don't know if you've ever had a public presentation of some kind which was interrupted by something. I've been relatively spared of this. I remember once I mentioned a dog wandered into the church. Some of you might remember this. And the poor thing was just confused and frightened and couldn't figure out how to get out. So he's wandering in and out the rows, you know, of the chairs. 
through people's legs and the more people tried to help him find a way out, the more scared he got and the harder it was to get him out. No point in continuing with whatever I had to say. Another time it was Easter, it was you know, a special Sunday and we were just so focused on the Word of God and right in the middle of it, right at a critical point, for some reason the oil guy decided it was time to deliver oil and so a window right near the sanctuary and this truck was backing up, beep, 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 interruptions, they always come. And so here was an interruption recorded in Luke's gospel by a loud exclamation from a woman. And Jesus turned that interruption into an unforgettable lesson on happiness. The context is there, you can read it. Robert read some of the verses which were preceding. Jesus had cast out a demon and some were mocking him. This woman was watching and listening everything that was happening. How did he do this? They said. It's in verses 14 through 22. Well, we'll tell you how he cast out the demon. It was by Beelzebul. It was by the hand of Satan himself, they said. They were so sure. And Jesus turned those accusations back on them with this impeccable logic. If Satan turned against himself, if he started to give back the treasure that he loved more than anything else, which is the souls of men and women, then what good would it be? What good would it do his kingdom? And so she saw him then turn the tables with an insight, actually, which people today still don't know. An insight about the world around us, which people don't realize. It's in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Look at, for example, verse 23. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. There's no neutral ground, he was saying. You have to choose. Jesus, even in this, his instructions about happiness, is forcing us to choose. Do you believe me or do you not believe me? There's no neutral ground. And then he tells this interesting little story. He says, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man... It passes through the waterless places, seeking rest and not finding. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of the man becomes worse than the first. There's no empty heart. There's no such thing as neutrality. You can't say, you know, I'm just open to whatever there is. Whatever experience there is, whatever spirituality that comes to me, I'm just open to it. No, because we don't realize this important insight into the nature of our world, that there are evil forces outside waiting to rush into our hearts like water from a burst dam. The vacuum of an empty heart sucks in evil forces. There's no neutral ground. And this woman was listening to all this, just taking it in. She was so happy. I don't know if she was understanding or processing, but she just was in her glory listening to Jesus. And then verse 27, while Jesus was saying these things, so he's busy talking, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. He just couldn't hold it in. Blessed 
is the womb that bore you. Oh, your mother must be so blessed. And the word means happy. Your mother must be so proud of you, Jesus. Your mother must be so happy. Remember, last time we talked about this word blessed, it has a range of meanings, and it is sometimes translated fortunate and happy. It's an important word, but we should look at what it really means and what it conveyed to the listeners of Jesus. And so, last time we saw that Jesus' prescription for happiness was, happy are those who live by his promises. Those promises which are embedded in their thinking and their heart produce genuine happiness. And now this woman is saying, oh, my, my life would be so happy if all my children turned out to be just like you, Jesus. See, that's what she's saying. I wish, I wish I was your mother. We understand that. I think we all pray, we long for God to make our children, our students, those that we influence to be as godly, as Christ-centered as they possibly can be. We pray for them. So there's happiness when everything works out. When those that we love are following the path of being Christians and serving Jesus, that's the happiness of the easy path. We know that. But Jesus gently rebuked her because he pointed her to a greater happiness. He says, sorry, (laughs) ma'am. I'm glad that you're happy to hear me, but you're wrong. Rather, he says, happy are those who hear and do the word of God. You know this is a constant theme in Jesus' teaching. This is not an isolated place where he says this. Several times he makes this point. He made this point in that parable that we learned in Sunday school. Remember about the wise man and the foolish man? It's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Because the easy path seems like a happy path, at least at first. And so Jesus explained in that parable about how easy it is to build the house in the sand because it's so easy to dig. Oh, this is so good. Things are going great. I'm going to have those walls up in no time at all. Life is good. But where does the path lead? Jesus says there's inevitable storms in every life. And what happens when those storms come? Well, Jesus said the house will fall. It's a picture of a life left in ruins. He says instead... Look ahead. Where does the path lead? I mean, our new church here, we saw this video about these walls going up, but you know there was weeks when it looked like nothing was going on. They dug deep. They had to actually test the soil to see if it was strong enough. Can you believe that? Then they poured in, I don't know how many cubic yards of concrete to make these strong foundations. And then finally, finally the walls started to go up. Why? Well, because... This hard work was necessary for a building that was designed to last. And Jesus says in that parable in Matthew chapter 7 that that's true happiness. This is a picture of one who, in fact, he says it explicitly in Matthew 7, this is a picture of one who hears my word and does them. This is true happiness. Happy are those who build their lives on the foundation of God's word. That means the actual decisions we make day to day, whether it's in parenting or at work, the values that you choose to live by, the philosophy of life that you adopt, blessed, happy are those who found all those things on the Word of God. So that leads us to the second point, which is the happiness of the well-lit path. There's the happiness of the easy path, but now there's the happiness of the well-lit path, which Jesus is pointing to, which is 
hearing and doing His Word. Because His Word is the light on the path. No matter how rough the road, we know how to walk around the obstacles when to jump over that rock that's in the road. The well-lit path leads to long-term happiness, even through the ups and downs of life. It's interesting that the very first word in all the Psalms is the word happy. We saw that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the Sermon on the Mount began with the word happy. The very first word in the Psalms is also the word happy. The root word there is asher, which is very much like the word blessed. It's translated that way in Psalm 1 and in, in the New Testament in many of our English versions, but not all of them. Like the word that we talked about last week, it has a range of meanings and it regularly means happy. And so the Jewish translation, the Jewish Publication Society, translates Psalm 1, it begins, Happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Happy is the one. Happy, why? Well, because, you know, we all need directions as we walk through life. Because the path is rough. If you think the path is always going to be smooth, you're going to be disappointed. The path is rough and we need someone to keep us on the right path so that we don't get lost. You know, so some people look to their favorite websites, their web gurus who tell them what to do and what not to do. We have our favorite authors. We have experts that sometimes we pay to tell us what to do and what not to do through life. We all have someone who guides us through life, but someone warns us that not all counsel leads to happiness. It says, happy is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, who doesn't stand around and discuss things with those who don't know anything about Christ, whose lives are sinful, who doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, who doesn't sit with those who have absolutely rejected God and his rule over our lives. Happy is the one who doesn't do any of that. Instead, it says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. His life is going to be lush and green and fruitful. Happy. It's a happy life. So the psalmist is really saying what Jesus is saying here, isn't it? It's the same key to happiness. Happy are those who hear the word of God and do it. So it's a choice we have to make. Is this really the key to a happy life? I think it's a fundamental choice that everyone listening has to make. Everyone who's ever read this verse has to make. Because we are not always sure this is right. As I said, sometimes we think this word blessed kind of throws us off and makes us think this is talking about you know, something a monk would like, that kind of happiness. But we have to understand this is talking about real happiness, the kind of happiness you feel being with your friends and being with those that you love, the happiness you feel in life. We have to make a choice whether we really trust Jesus about this. Is Jesus' prescription here really able to make me genuinely happy. We have to make a choice. If we're lost, on the wrong path, that's a formula for unhappiness. We know that. Happiness is following someone who knows the way. You know that the early Christians, what did they call themselves? Followers of the way. You know, they had disagreements among them. They're all recorded in the Bible. They even discussed and argued about theology. They quarreled sometimes among themselves personally. But they were clear on this. We're followers of Jesus because he is 
the way, the truth, and the life. We're followers of the way. And friends, the only way to follow Jesus, it's not to just come up with some image of Jesus on our own. No, Jesus has spoken. The way to follow him is to listen to his voice and go where he directs. In John chapter 10, Jesus described himself as the good shepherd. And he says his sheep recognize his voice and follow because they know the shepherd's voice. We recognize the words of Jesus when we read the Bible and we follow him. And so in the Bible, we see him leading us on. We don't always know where he's going to lead us, by the way. But as long as he's in view, we feel safe because he will lead us to happiness. I was thinking of some years ago, I was in Delhi with my father. And he started to think back to when he was quite young, a young man. And there was this favorite restaurant in Delhi that he used to go to. And he, he got this hankering to go there. So he took me with him and we went there. And it was I can't even describe how crowded the marketplace is where this restaurant was. It it surrounds the great mosque in the center of Delhi. And it's crowded with rickshaws and people and bicycles and motorcycles and some cars, I don't know, impossibly trying to actually go through that. It's hard to actually move, literally move in that crowd. And he was so hungry and so excited, he just cut his way through the crowd. And pretty soon the distance between him and me got larger and larger. Couldn't keep up with him. And I started to panic. I'm going to get lost. Except he's a tall man. He was taller than the crowd so I could see his head. And I just kept my eye on that head and cut through as fast as I could just following that head. And good thing because all of a sudden he took a left and he darted into this little gap in the wall. a little tiny alley which I surely would have missed. I would have certainly gotten lost if I wasn't following him with my eyes. And the alley opened up into a tiny little courtyard. And there were people cross-legged sitting near open fires with big pots cooking. And we sat on this little wooden bench and boy, I had the most delicious food I have ever had. I would love to go back, but you know what? I'll never be able to go back because I'd never find it. I need someone to lead me there. There's a reward. There's happiness. Keep close. Keep listening to Jesus. Keep following his word because there's happiness that he offers us. Blessed are those who hear my word and do it. And so doubt and confusion and ignorance really kills happiness in us. It makes us panicky. It makes us frustrated. But here's the happiness of a well-lit path. Lit by the word of God. I don't know if you've ever driven in a thick fog. You know, it's nighttime. You're trying to get home. You can hardly see the road. Aren't you glad for those white lane markers? Because you just focus on those, you say, well, at least I'm on the road. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm just clinging close to these white markers. That's the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's happiness. So there's the happiness of the easy path. There's the happiness of the well-lit path. But finally, we have to make it our own. So there's the happiness of actually walking on the right path. So this is Jesus' insight into happiness. As I said, we are constantly, when we read Jesus, presented with choices. Do I believe him? Do I trust that if I do this, I really have happiness? This is not my insight. This is Jesus. Listening and doing the word of God. Knowing it is not enough, by the way. Studying it is not enough. It's listening and then actually walking in it. So first of all, happiness is listening. I'd like to spend a few minutes just having us think about this. I 
think you can think about how to listen to God's Word also. I'm sure you could add some great insights. Maybe in the small groups, you'll be able to share these with you. Let me just start you off by mentioning four things that come to mind. How to be good listeners of the Word of God. It's a skill, isn't it? Listening is a skill. You know some people that are excellent listeners. And you know some people that are terrible listeners. It's a skill. And when it comes to listening to God's Word, we have to develop that skill. The first thing is humility. We have to be humble. When we are listening to God's Word, we can't be arguing with it. We can't be trying to press our point, trying to convince others of what we are convinced is right. We can't be approaching God's Word with this attitude, I already know, I already know, I already know. That's what these people were in this discussion with Jesus. Chapter 11, verse 15 of Luke. They were so sure they understood the situation. Ah, Casting out demons, no problem. We know how he does this. We know we don't want to follow him, so he must be doing it by the hand of Satan. They're so confident, so sure of their answer. But God speaks to us when we're reading the word, when we're listening to his word preached, when we do it humbly. Speak to me, Lord. Please teach me. Please correct me. Please change me. Please make me happy. Second thing I would say in listening is tune in. We have to tune into God's Word. I think you know as well as I that we can be present in church and not listening to a word that's said. I know this because I've done that a lot of times and I regret all that I miss God might have been saying to me. You know how it is. Our thoughts wander off. We don't allow God's Word to enter into our hearts. Just read the parable in Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower. Jesus warns us that just being around God's Word is not enough. Satan comes and plucks it up if we don't understand it. Sometimes it never takes root. Sometimes it never lasts. So Jesus is warning us about this. Instead, tune in, tune in, and tune in to the main point of what the Word is saying. People love to argue, and if you've ever witnessed an argument, you know what happens when people are at each other's throats. They pick at some little point that the other person is making, which is not the main point, but it becomes the point of attack. I remember five years ago when you were buying that car and you made this bad decision. No, it wasn't five years ago. It was three years ago. And then you start arguing about whether it was three years ago or five years ago when the main point was bad decisions about buying and finances. You know how that happens. You make one statement, somebody picks on it, and it becomes a distraction, absolutely useless. And we do that with the Bible too, don't we? I think there's some people that love to focus in on obscure points. Love to focus in on mysteries that nobody has solved for thousands of years in the Bible. It's absolutely useless. You know, the Sadducees came to Jesus. They said, Lord, there was this woman who got married and then her husband died. Then she got married again and her husband died. Then she got married again and her husband died. And then she got married again and her husband died. You just want to slap them. What are you talking about? Why are you taking up Jesus' time with this useless conversation? Jesus put them in their place, of course, but it's useless conversation. And sometimes we do that. We forget the main point, even of what Jesus is saying. It doesn't advance anything, and it adds nothing to happiness in life that God wants for us. Be humble, tune in. I'd say thirdly, ask honest questions. Ask someone who knows more than you. When you're hearing the word, when you're reading the word, ask someone who knows more than you. And there are people for all of us who know more than we do. Ask questions not 
for argument's sake. Chapter 11, verse 16 in Luke, it says they came to him to test him. They weren't interested in learning. They really didn't want to know anything. They just wanted to put Jesus on the spot, hopefully in their view, to make him look bad. The point of honest questions is to clarify, to gain further understanding, to grow deeper. It's interesting, isn't it, how often Jesus got questions from his disciples. When he talked about the last days in Matthew 24, you know, the disciple says, what will be the signs of your coming, Lord? It's an honest question. When he talked about how difficult it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God, you know, he said it's harder than a camel going through the eye of a needle. They were absolutely confused and they said, but then Lord, who can be saved? They said, because we all have some money. We're all rich in some degree. They're looking for clarifications. Lord, explain this to us. That's the heart of good listening. And then lastly, for listening, put God's word into your own words. Paraphrase it. Tell it to others. Speak it out in some way. Here's what I think it meant. Here's what I took from that. Because it means you've processed it. You're not just a parrot reciting what you heard in the same words. Can you put it in your own words? That means you really have understood it. It's penetrated your thinking. Jesus, I think, asked his listeners to do this repeatedly. One of his favorite things was to ask questions. He obviously taught, but he also asked questions, which forced other people to articulate what they were thinking. The disciples told him what everybody was saying about Jesus' identity, and Jesus said, yeah, but who do you say that I am? I want to hear you articulate your understanding. He told parables, and then he always said, what do you think the master will do with those servants? What do you think? What are you getting from the story that I just told? What's the lesson? He was forcing them to express their own understanding so he could, yeah, sometimes correct them, but he could teach them. He could deepen their understanding. Happiness comes from listening, he's saying. We should be growing in our ability to listen. And then we'll be growing in our happiness in life. But not just listening. He says, blessed are those, happy are those who listen and do the word. So happiness is doing. Again, I invite you to figure out the various ways in which we can do God's word. But here's some things to start. Three things to have you think about. Doing builds faith. Doing will build your faith in God's word. I don't know if you remember a couple years ago for Children's Sunday, I did a little demonstration. I asked children to come up. And one of them was three or four years old. And I had this little test tube there. Do you remember that? Some of you remember. It has salt in it and a little ball bearing on the top. And I gave three or four of these young children, all of them older than this little guy, these tubes. And I said, okay, task is to get the ball bearing to the other side. And they started to work on it very, very slowly, very carefully. And the point I was trying to make was, you know what, you need to listen to someone who knows how to do something and then you'll succeed. And the one you have to listen to is God because he's wise beyond all comparison and if you do what he says, you'll succeed in life. That was the point I was trying to make and this was an illustration. So they were working and then I told them, no, no, you're doing it all wrong. You know, I said, here, you know, if you go up and down like this, see the ball bearing just appears at the top. And they all started doing it and they kind of did it. They didn't quite get it. This little guy, four-year-old, did it exactly right. And then he interrupted me. I was explaining. He says, I got it! In a loud voice. And then, in an even louder voice, with just 
his face lit up with joy and happiness, he said what I was trying to say exactly. He said, I just did what you told me to and it worked. Exactly. That was the point. You see, actually doing it deepens our faith. As we do God's word, we start to see it works. It really does bring peace and joy and happiness into our life. And so our faith in the instructions of God grow. You could see that God's word is true. Doing also grows our understanding. Here were all the other kids doing it all the wrong way, and I was able to correct them. So as they did it wrong, I was able to explain the right way to do things, and slowly they began to see what they were doing wrong and how to do it right. I think you've all had occasions when you had to put something together, right? Something with a hundred parts and all kinds of bolts and fasteners. And you just look at it and it's just a mess. You may not know how to put it together, but you start with step one, then you go to step two, and all of a sudden things click. You understand where it's going. You understand how it's going to be put together. Things actually start to go faster and faster because there's a pattern and you're beginning to understand it. In the same way, when you're actually doing God's word, you begin to understand it better and better. We start to see what God is trying to say. So doing builds faith, doing grows understanding. And you know what else Jesus is saying? Doing brings happiness. Happy are those who listen to God's word and do it. John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 17, Jesus said, If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Happy are you if you do them. Happier than if your son or daughter or student or the person you're mentoring. Happier than if they turn out to be as holy and as spiritual as Jesus. Can you imagine that? Happier than if you were the mother of the Lord Jesus. Happier than if everything in your life that you tried to do was becoming successful. No, happy is he who hears my word and does them. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the simplicity of your teaching, the clarity of it, and the power of it. Just lay it out for us, Lord, and you challenge us with it. And we therefore pray for grace to trust you. We pray for grace to be happy people, Lord, as we walk in the way of your word. In your holy name, amen. Augustine uh, lived some 400 years after Christ. You know, tremendous teacher, great influence on the church. He, he said, Holy Scripture are our letters from home. I love that. What a treasure it is to receive letters from home if you're traveling far away. And for us as Christians, we're not there yet. We're far away, but the Holy Scriptures are our letters from home and they're precious to us because of that. So that's my benediction. May the Lord make your life happy as you listen to and do the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.